the Truth News Network. Prices out of control, threatening an end of fossil fuels, orphaning 400 million cars, millions of trucks, airplanes. Are we having fun yet? Every tick of the clock promising more misery as we bankrupt the middle class. Life as written by Harlan Ellison. Shake your head, take a deep breath, because you're with TN, the Truth News Network. And with some light, here's Dan Newman. For those of you that don't quite get the text lingo, SMH, shake my head. That's what Pete Moss was just referencing there. And I guess we can all do that in unison because I got to be honest with you. I don't understand half, maybe not even 25% of what's going on in our government right now. There just seems to be no rhyme or reason. But boy, they're getting after it. They're doing something every day. We cannot accuse them of not getting anything done. Even though most of the stuff they're getting done is not what the people of America want to see get done. You know what I'm talking about. Well, hello, everybody. You made it. You made it to Friday. And boy, you've got a good long weekend ahead of you. Many of you, if you're at work today... Many of you aren't, but many of you that are at work may be trying to get out the door a little bit early and make this a 3D weekend. Of course, your plane tickets are there and you're headed to, oh, I don't know, Cabo San Lucas or Cancun or maybe Turks and Caicos for a a good long weekend. You better get on your knees and pray right now. What do you mean, Dan? Pray for what? You better pray that your airlines are flying, (laughs) that you don't get massive delays or even canceled. It's uncanny how many cancellations have happened over the past 30 days or so. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And what does that typically mean? You know what it means. There's more going on than you and I know, and it's way more than they want us to know about the airline industry. Now keep in mind, during COVID-19, the airlines collectively got hundreds of billions of dollars of relief from Joe Biden. Now where did that money come from? (laughs) Well, who's going to pay it back is going to be the American taxpayers. I would say that they got it from us, but they didn't get it from us. We didn't have it and they didn't have it. They borrowed the money. And the purpose for those big stipends that came from the federal government to the airlines was to keep the airline industry intact so that Americans wouldn't suffer unnecessarily because of COVID-19, the pandemic, the lockdowns, all those kind of things that they didn't make any difference regarding the science, but it sure was a great political ploy for Biden and his administration to put out there on the American people. And we just benignly said, oh, okay, and we went home. That was a really great experiment. I know they were looking to see just how far they could get the American people willingly to go when it comes to giving up our rights. And I think what happened was they saw the American people were far more willing to give up those rights than what anybody thought they were going to be giving up or allowing to happen. I mean, they scared us to death. They had COVID-19 destroying half the world, if not more than that. And if you didn't want to die, you had to stay secluded. Don't interact with any other human being. 
And every time we saw somebody, we wouldn't even look each other in the eye. Did you notice that during the pandemic? First of all, we were all wearing masks. And so that kind of gave you an anonymity where you couldn't just tell most of the time by people's eyes who you were looking at. And they were feeling the same way. So we all just looked down at the ground. Or maybe we nodded. Didn't say anything, but we nodded. We just all pulled away. And at the bottom of it, the number one tool, the ploy of this administration was to instill fear in every American. And the way they did it was they kept us guessing what the facts really were. We had Godfather Fauci that was every day pontificating about what we should or shouldn't do. And if we didn't listen to him, you know, he told us, I am the science. He was speaking about himself. If you don't follow the science or if you don't follow me, you're going to die and you're going to infect everybody that you know and people that you don't know. If they breathe the same air as you, they're going to die. So how can you keep these people from dying? How can you make sure that you don't die? You listen to everything I say and do it exactly as I say. If you don't, you are the scum of the earth because you don't care about your fellow Americans. You don't even care about your own family members. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, if I had said that on this show a year ago, there'd be a bunch of people that were saying, wait a minute, Dan, you're taking it a little bit too far. But in truth, it maybe was even further than I just took it. Anthony Fauci was a ploy to be used And I don't know who instigated it. It may have just been Anthony himself. He may have come in and said, hey, look, here's an idea we can try. Let's see if we can just take total control of the American population by scaring them to death with this COVID-19 virus. Now, make no mistake, COVID-19 is real. COVID-19 is deadly. I have quite a few friends that lost their lives to COVID-19 at no fault of their own. But it was, and everything, every part of it was manipulated. It was very purposeful the way that entire thing came down, the way it was perpetuated. And any time Fauci was proven to be wrong, he never once admitted it. Not one time did he say, I'm sorry, I was wrong about that. No. He just doubled and tripled down on stupid. But the real stupid ones through that entire thing were you and I, all of us, our fellow Americans. We became sheeple. We didn't ask questions. Or if we did ask questions and we didn't get answers, or if we got answers that didn't make sense, we just sat there and nodded our ascension. Oh, we'll do it. We'll do it. We don't want to die. We don't want to kill anybody. So we're going to listen to Dr. Anthony Fauci and all of the other minions that were up there telling us, here's what you got to do. Well, I guarantee you they learned a lot. And I hope that we Americans learned a lot about ourselves, about our leadership, and about how to be able to tell what's really going on. And just in case you thought you were finished 
with COVID-19 or it was at least mostly in your rearview mirror? Well, guess what's going on? Very quietly yesterday, I didn't see a single mainstream media outlet even mention this. The Biden administration, they let it leak that they have signed a new agreement with Pfizer and their partner, BioNTech, a contract for 105 million doses of their COVID-19 vaccine for a fall vaccination campaign. How much is that worth to Pfizer? $3.2 billion. The contract includes doses for both adults and children. It also includes supplies of a retooled Omicron-adapted vaccine that is currently pending approval by federal health authorities. We look forward, a statement that was released said, we look forward to taking delivery of these new variant-specific vaccines and working with state and local health departments with pharmacies, health care providers, federally qualified health centers, and other partners to make them available in communities around the country this fall. That came from HHS Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response, Don O'Connell. These pharmaceutical firms, they've been developing vaccines for the Omicron variant that the CDC says is the dominant strain now in the U.S. We're told that this agreement will provide additional doses for U.S. residents and help cope with the next COVID wave. Do you even sense that this is all purposeful and that there's an end down there that we are not being told about? It's almost like, yeah, we're going to have another COVID wave. They're not saying very cautiously, well, we're doing this. The researchers are keeping researching, and they're finding new and better ways to fight the next variant of COVID-19 if it shows up. No, no, that's not what this guy said. Sean Merritt, chief business and chief commercial officer at BioNTech said this. Yeah, we'll provide additional doses for U.S. residents and help cope with the next COVID-19 wave. His words, not mine. And of course, the FDA is up to their eyeballs in this. They're expected to issue a decision in the next few days following a Tuesday meeting in which external advisors recommended modifying the vaccines to better target Omicron. So how does this new contract go with Pfizer? Well, the U.S. government has the option to buy an additional 195 million doses that would bring the total up to 300 million. Over the past year and a half, now, what, what, what parallels that year and a half? Hmm, that would be the Biden administration. So during the Biden administration, O'Connell said, we have procured and delivered more than 750 million doses of COVID-19 vaccine nationwide, contributing to two-thirds of the American adults being fully vaccinated. And I guess you know this conundrum that has got a bunch of people upset. The CDC recently recommended everyone over six months of age. Can you believe that? A seven-month-old infant and older. They say everybody should get the COVID-19 jab. 
expanding eligibility for nearly 20 million additional children, and it's just here in the States. Surveys show a majority of parents with kids under five are going to wait until more information becomes available, will not have their children vaxxed unless the vaccination becomes mandatory, or will never have their children vaccinated against COVID-19. More under the new Pfizer deal. The U.S. government is set to pay over $30 per dose on average, which is substantially higher than the 1950 it paid in its initial Pfizer contract. So it's up $10.50 a dose. I wonder why. I wonder why. Let me just tell you this. I've got 31 years in the healthcare industry professionally. I understand a little bit about how medications are developed, the research process. I know how expensive it can be, but I also know how lucrative it is. Do you understand that Pfizer has got the most amazing financial opportunity for the company and its shareholders because they basically have an exclusive deal with the federal government. Now, when medications are invented and they go to market, especially if they're being widely distributed, a bunch of people are involved in it. And I think it's safe to say COVID kind of falls in that category, wouldn't you? A normal dose on a large scale after medications are approved by the FDA and they go to the open market, a normal basic dose of a vaccine, it costs to produce about a quarter a dose. That's a fact. Now, don't you dare be tempted to say, well, this thing just hit the market. Pfizer's got tens of billions of dollars invested in research and development, and they've got to get their money back. Pfizer doesn't have a dime invested in it. Joe Biden ceded Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson, and President Trump did as well up front pushing them to get these vaccines to the market quicker. But even if they did have R&D out the wazoo, look at what they have already sold to the United States. 300 million doses. And they raised the price on the next batch? (laughs) It was $19.50 and they raised it. Somebody is making out like a bandit in this. $30 a dose now. Pfizer said in May it expects around $32 billion in COVID-19 vaccine sales for just this year. That's a number that reflected agreements signed before the newly announced contract with the U.S. government. On June 23rd, Pfizer, by the way, for its stockholders, approved a quarterly cash dividend of 40 cents a share. So they're not keeping it all at, you know, the le- those evil corporate headquarters for those big guys that sit way up at the top floor and nobody knows who they are and never sees them. At least the stockholders for Pfizer are getting some of this. But I'm going to tell you, it is a racket. It has become a racket. These people have found a niche that they can use and powder it up with fear that they put out there for the American people 
and it's all being sold to the public by Dr. Anthony Fauci. And everybody, including Donald Trump when he was our president, he said, this is the smartest guy in medicine, the vaccine specialist for the entire globe. So obviously, we defer to him and we trust his expertise in what he tells us. And yet, you and I both know, and listen to what I'm about to say, this is uncontroverted factually. On Dr. Anthony Fauci's orders, telling us specific things to do, telling us specific things not to do, millions of people have died. And millions more have been permanently injured, many of which will never recover again. And this was all done using an experimental vaccine that the FDA, well, Pfizer didn't want the FDA to make them officially accepted. Because when that happens, the liability for anything that happens from the medicine goes back to the pharmaceutical company. When it's an emergency use authorization, the federal government indemnifies the pharmacy companies. Any litigation, taxpayers are going to pay for it. Don't think for a second we've seen the last of this because we have not. Now let me just dig into something for a minute and I'm going to blow your mind with some facts while we're on COVID-19. Lincoln National Life Insurance. I'm sure you've heard the name before. It's been around a long time. It's fairly large. It's so old that when it was started, the founders actually asked Abraham Lincoln's son whether it was okay to use his dad's likeness in their company branding. I'm being serious. He agreed. And over the past 117 years, Lincoln National has grown to be the fifth largest life insurance company in America. But... Things aren't so hot right now for the life insurance business. Evidence by facts. Facts that tell us in 2021, Lincoln National reported a 163% increase in death benefits that were paid out under their group life insurance policies. Now what was going on in that year. You remember 2021. <laughs> it's just behind you, folks. Deaths are up 40% among working people in just one year. Those are facts. Those are facts. Why is that? We could spend this entire show wading through the conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to do that, but what I am telling you is factual. Deaths are up 40% among working people. 40% is not a small number. And it makes you want to get to the facts. But here's the problem. The facts are controlled by the company that produce the vaccines. That would be Pfizer and BioNTech. And of course, Moderna and Johnson and Johnson. And our federal government certainly is covering for all of those manufacturers. They're basically, the American government entities involved in this are, are getting so much power over the American people. Oh, they're just dying. They're in heaven. 
because that's what government people lust for 24-7. Oh, we've got to get more power. The more power we get, the more we can make things better for us and those people that we like and love and we're friends with and that we're obligated to pay back with deals. I'm serious, folks. There's a lot of stuff going on right now that we're being told purposely falsehoods about sources, reasoning, testing, results. Who is responsible for this? And what's saddest of all about this, it seems like every year in American society, the American public who own the government, the government of the United States of America is established, was established still to this day. The Constitution says it's government of the people, by the people, and for the people. We're supposed to be in charge. Do you feel like you have any authority whatsoever when it comes to government today in this country? If you do, light me up. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Tell me the power you have and where you got it. I'd like to get in line for some. It's not funny. I'm not making jokes about it. But what I'm telling you is this stuff is happening. We're living in the world, in the United States of America, when we are actually seeing Big Brother prove that George Orwell Back in 1958, when he wrote that book, 1984, he knew what was going to happen. And it's all happened almost to the T. And it's all built around Big Brother. Now, there are some stupid things that are happening every day. Today on the show, we have the Vice President of the United States. She is sharing some of her wisdom with us all about the realities of life and things going on in the federal government and the role she plays. After all, she's the border czar. She's the number two guy in the government, and I'll probably get a hate text because I said she's the guy. Oh my gosh, you're insensitive, Dan. You're a homophobe. You're a xenophobe. They'll start calling me every name in the book. The ones that they have, they all have a list of those names to call the evil MAGA people. You know, the ones that pulled the lever for the orange man. I happened to vote for Donald Trump. Just saying, I'm being honest. We've got a lot of things that are going to open some eyes today. And this first big one, this really upsets me. You know, the Second Amendment thing, the left have been fighting everything to do with private ownership of guns ever since there has been private ownership of guns. Have you ever questioned why our forefathers made the right to own and bear arms so important that of 10 amendments, it was the second? What was going on in the United States that they were so afraid of and that made them so adamant to make sure we could have and use guns as we wanted to or needed to within the laws of the nation? It was because they came from a an environment in Europe. There weren't a lot of guns around there, but there were all kinds of weapons, but the private people didn't have access to those things. And access and use of was controlled 100% by the government. And so our forefathers 
They escaped that, and they wanted us and our heirs to not have to deal with being scared every day 24-7, that the government, the actual government of the nation would have the ability and the right, unfettered right, to come take our guns away from us. That's why they did it. If you were with us, I guess maybe a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I forget what day it was, but I talked at length about the proposed from the Uvalde shooting in Uvalde, Texas, all of the uproar that came and the demand for gun laws and all those kind of things. We got to stop all, I, I won't even go back there, but I told you, in fact, I think what I did was I played part of an interview with the politician that was explaining the ills and the evil of those laws that were being proposed, red flag law specifically. And I explained what it is. Basically what the red flag laws are, when it was pitched to the American people, it was very benign as these things always are. They certainly won't paint the bad side or the bad possibility sides of anything that they propose. They don't want the majority of the American people to understand it, but they understand it. Remember this phrase, it's always all about the power. It's not about money. It's always about the power. Now, these people that absolutely despise guns, of course, these these, uh, lawmakers that are screaming the loudest, they don't have to worry about it based upon their income from the jobs that they do and the campaign dollars that they rake in when they're running for office that are left over while they're serving in office, they all have private security. And all of those security people that they have are armed to the teeth. So they're protected. So because of what they have, they diminish the necessity for any of us, all you plebes out there in Middle America, there ain't no crime you got to deal with. And of course, it's stupid that a lot of people, including our forefathers, they told us the reason they were guaranteeing the rights to own and bear arms. They did it to keep the government from coming after us. This government's not coming after the American citizens. That's poppycock. Nobody in their right minds, believes that. And so when we were breaking down what red flag laws were all about week before last, I think, I broke it down and explained to you, let me tell you what these red flag laws are in effect. Joe Biden signed it into law. And of course, he pushed it back down to the state level. They don't want the federal government to get popped by the Supreme Court again on this matter. They don't want to do it. So what do they do? Well, we, you know, we saw the the court make abortion be a state thing. So what we'll do is we'll just push the red flag law thing down to the states and we'll let them decide if they want to have a red flag law in their own state. Remember I told you that they, the left, did not just want, if we couldn't, they this is what they're saying, if we couldn't get rid of guns totally. What we want to do is know where the guns are. We want to know who has them. And their history, 
and their ability to even be qualified to own and bear an arm. That's what we want. And I told you they were not just going to stop at somehow coming up with another law that would be nothing but fluff about gun purchasing. We have pretty strict laws about who can legally purchase a gun. The, the investigation that goes before somebody actually gets to take possession of a gun they're buying legally. Besides that, it's okay. At least they know who's got what gun or who bought what gun legally. And they wanted us all to think about this thing from that perspective and just keep going. Don't even think about anything other than that. That's what it's about. We just need to make sure that people who are buying guns don't have a bad record. They're not criminals, no felonies. They're not people haters and they, they don't have a bunch of history about doing bad things. That all sounds good to me, benign enough. What about you? But that's not what it's about. They want you and I, <clears throat> excuse me, they want you and I to think that's what they're about. No. They want access to those background investigations that are performed when people go buy, <clears throat> buy a gun. Man, I'm going to take a sip of water live on the air. Hold on. I got a frog in my throat. Anyway, that's what they wanted, but they didn't want to tell the people. We want to know who's got every gun. Well, you and I both know the debacle that that would create. It would be so easy for somebody to get access to that information and weaponize it against who? Against the American people. Well, guess what happened in California already? The California Department of Justice broke its silence Wednesday of this week after the names, the driver's license numbers, addresses, and other private information of thousands of legal gun owners in the state of California, that was all leaked from a gun database. The State Department is providing credit monitoring services for gun owners whose private information was exposed by the leak. Credit monitoring. (laughs) Uh, That's kind of weak. DOJ will directly contact individuals who have been impacted by this incident and will provide instructions to sign up for this service. This leak exposed the private information of every gun owner who applied for a concealed carry permit over a decade (laughs) between the years 2011 and 2021. The information exposed includes names, dates of birth, gender, race, driver's license number, home addresses, and criminal history of the gun owners. Tens of thousands of civilians, including 244 judges, 420 reserve officers, were exposed in this leak. Information was compromised from the contents of five other gun registries, including the assault weapon registry, handgun certified for sale, dealer record of sale, firearm certificate safety and gun violence restraining orders. California DOJ, we're told, is investigating the extent to which any personally identifiable information could have been exposed from those dashboards 
and will report additional information as soon as confirmed. This will make you feel better. The social security numbers of those on the list were not leaked. Wow, so they won't be applying for credit cards in my name. The government just knows where my guns are. (laughs) This unauthorized release, we're told, of personal information is unacceptable, falls far short of my expectations for this department. That's the California Attorney General Rob Bonta. I immediately launched an investigation into how this occurred at the California Department of Justice and will take strong corrective measures where necessary. I'm deeply disturbed and angered. That just makes me feel so much better that the AG is going to do all of that. And he didn't stop. He said those in possession of or using the private information leaked from the registry, they're guilty of a crime, referring to California Penal Code 530.5. That code stipulates that every person who willfully obtains personal identifying information shall be punished by a fine, by imprisonment, in a county jail, not to exceed one year, or by both the fine and imprisonment. Aiden Johnson, who's the Director of Federal Affairs at Gun Owners of America, reported that the leak represented a serious lack of regard for the privacy of California gun owners. You think? This mistake, he said, by any gun Californian bureaucrats demonstrates either serious negligence or blatant disregard for the privacy of citizens who wish to defend themselves with a firearm in public. Gun owners, registries, especially of those licensed to carry firearm in public, are a dangerous infringement on the Second Amendment. Isn't it interesting how quickly this happened after Joe Biden signed that new gun law into law? How quickly this happened. And I can sit here today thinking about and thinking through this whole thing, and I can come up with about 10 very legitimate purposes for this happening. And every one of them, every one of them was not a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants decision. They were all well-planned, thought out way before this particular thing happened. But you know that old saying, you can't put the genie back in the bottle? Those people, and what nobody talks about, the actual guns that they're purchasing, the kind of gun it is, where they bought it, the serial number of those guns. Remember, whoever got it now knows where those people live, know all about them. That's out there. So how easy would it be for, I don't know, we're nowhere near this could possibly happen right now. Yeah, right, Dan. (laughs) Don't ever say never when it comes to government, right? But Let's just say something like this wouldn't happen under this administration or maybe the next one or the one after that, maybe in 10, 15 years. We get a real despot there and basically says, we're going to take over. We have too many people out there that don't agree with what we think and what we say the law says. And so before they can get organized, we're going to go get their guns and their ammunition. Here's where they are. Here's what guns they are. 
We can take this information, knock on their door, and if they tell us they don't have them, we can confront them. We can make them tell us where those guns are. If they gave them or sold them, all of that information. And the whole purpose for the new gun law that Joe Biden signed has to do with two things. Number one is this, to be able to get the information of where the guns are. And the second thing is to have the power, the uncontrolled power by anybody to go and just based on um, a little bit of gossip. Now they tell us, oh, you can't do that. This is, if somebody makes a claim against somebody that lives in a community, they're a danger. They are threatening other people. They're they're not taking care of their guns or whatever. They tell us that. But in reality, I could say that about you. You know what? I saw old Bill over at the drive-in the other night, and he was threatening Joe Biden. He was even talking about going to D.C. and taking him out. That is sufficient for your local authorities to use the red flag laws and come execute a no-knock warrant. What is that? Middle of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning. They've got the information in front of them where you bought this gun. At this time, you paid this for it. Here's where you lived when you bought it. Middle of the night, they bang on your door. If you don't answer it quickly, they have legal authority to break your door down and come in guns a-blazing if they see anything that looks quote-unquote threatening. I'm serious. This is a two-part unveiling of just how egregious this government can get to if they want to negate the power of the Second Amendment that right now today ever since this nation was founded. The power of the people lies solely in the people. But this gives them an opening, gives them ammunition, not just an opening. It gives them everything they need to come in and start summarily taking guns and doing whatever they want to do to people that have these guns, whether or not they're legal. And in this case, they are and do whatever they want to do, they can make it up. They can make up all kinds of stories. We have, look at, look what we have watched play out for the last five years. This mainstream media, I told you how they make up stories and they pass them around DC. It happens. It's very coordinated and very easy to understand when it happens. We've talked about it here. You've been a part of the conversations here. How does that work? Well, You get up one morning and you hear a story early. We just got a report that old so-and-so that lives down on Johnstown Road got into a hassle, drew a gun on his next-door neighbor, and the cops, several hours later, they stormed his house, knocked down his front door, and he was standing there with this gun. Thankfully, before he could draw the gun and use it, he was shot, hit 10 times, and he died on the spot. It sounds like that could never happen. 
but it can very easily happen. And who's going to stop it from happening when the government has the sole power now to do it? Just that. Well, going into the weekend, we're all excited and happy. We're not worried or thinking about anything negative, are we? You just got to know. You just got to know what is out there and watch any time and every time your federal government wants to do something and pushes for it really, really hard, desperately, when they, they get the most adamant about things that we've got to do this, we've got to protect our babies, always ask the question, what's really the purpose for this? Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gopperts from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. My fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. When a governor can tell a president, no rally in my state, it's time for some definitive truth. Here with the goods, again, Dan Newman. Not trying to get you shaken up. Just throwing a lot of things out there and giving you perspectives, not telling you, hey, this is absolute what I'm telling you. Listen to me. No, that's the Fauci way of doing things. We don't do that. We give you information. We tell you what we are either have factually verified or we're pretty sure what we're telling you is truthful. But we tell you We absolutely know this, and when we do that, we give you sources where you can go find it. When we write and publish stories and say those things, it comes with links, so you can go check it out for yourself. That's what being honest in media, in journalism is about. You don't see that very often, do you? But you're going to see it all the time here. 
I mentioned in the opening today about our vice president. It's like all of a sudden somebody said, hey, you need to get out there and you need to be more visible to the American people. I mean, we're almost halfway through your first term as vice president. And if President Biden decides not to run again in 2024, obviously whoever's the vice president at the time has got a leg up. So you got to get out there in front of the American people and start making a difference. So she did just that. Stuart Varney, I like him a lot. You know who he is. He's on Fox Business. He's a regular contributor on Fox News. He's got a great accent. He's a Brit, but he is an American citizen. And he has the knack of putting great ideas together and coming to conclusions and sharing those in about two or three minutes instead of like we get from normal news reports pontificating about something for 20 or 30 minutes before they get to the point. Stewart, he weighed in with his thoughts and analysis of what's going on with the vice president, who, by the way, when those 50 illegal immigrants were found in that tractor trailer rigged dead, that was her trigger to get her out there, and she's talking about exactly what that means. Listen closely to Stuart Varney and your Vice President, Kamala Harris. The Vice President, Kamala Harris, has spoken out about the death of 53 migrants in that boiling hot sealed truck in Texas. She also had something to say about the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, who had blamed the administration for those deaths. Roll tape. How the governor of that state responded really highlights part of the problem because his response where there are 50 dead bodies in his state is to go straight to politics instead of dealing with the realities of the issue. The realities of the issue include what we need to do on the issue of smuggling, for example. And so our administration has been taking that quite seriously. We have a broken immigration system that was decimated by the last administration. And we've been trying to, and we are on the path doing it, to fix that broken system. All right. The vice president has been widely criticized for her vague word salad statements. That was another one. You just heard it. But let's try and boil it down. Harris says Governor Abbott went political instead of dealing with the realities of the issue. That's wrong. Governor Abbott is dealing with this awful reality, a reality created by Biden's border failure. It is Texas which is putting in resources. It is Abbott who is doing Biden's job. Harris says the government is taking smuggling very seriously. Maybe we should call it by its proper name. It's human trafficking. And whatever the government is doing about it is not working. Then she says, we have a broken immigration system that was decimated by the last administration. What? It was Trump who got the border under control. It was Biden who invited migrants in. And it was Harris, the border czar, who watched them come in by the million. Another Biden failure, another Harris embarrassment. So you listen to that. I did at the same time. I heard it the same way that you heard it. What kind of thoughts went through your mind when you heard her speaking? I mean, the very beginning of it. Just, you know, that beginning statement. In case you missed it. Here it is again. Just that part how the governor of that state responded really highlights part of the problem because his response where there are 50 dead bodies in his state is to go straight to politics 
instead of dealing with the realities of the issue. Okay. The governor's fault. That's typical of that old Greg Abbott. The guy can't walk. He's in a wheelchair. And it's kind of impacted his brain, his thought process. She didn't say that. But she has no respect for anybody that has a political perspective that's not in line with hers. But instead, and I harp on this on this show, the mark, the number one mark that anybody can use to tell if somebody is a leader is how they handle responsibility for things that happen on their watch. Not things that they necessarily did, but on their watch, people that work with or for them actually did, and it was wrong. Everything that's happening at the southern border, every stinking thing that's happening at the southern border, everything is directly because of the activity and the inactivity of the President of the United States and those in his cabinet, including Kamala Harris. Remember, she was supposed to be our southern border czar. He appointed her early, first week in the administration, in the Biden administration. He said she's going to go to the southern border and work to get all of those problems resolved down there. Then just hours later, it was put out, uh, the president misspoke. They didn't even use that term, misspoke, in the release where they explained it in way of explanation. What Vice President Kamala Harris is going to do, she's going to work with the government of the Central American nations to help find what's causing all of this mass immigration and find ways to work with these countries and its leaders to get all of that resolved. And the story went on and on and on, and she refused to go to the border, refused to go to the border, refused to go to the border. And finally, when she went to the border, she went as far west away from the epicenter of all this illegal immigration, which is extreme southern Texas. She went to El Paso. And if you know anything about El Paso, El Paso from the border of Texas and Louisiana, El Paso is 500 miles away. Texas is a pretty darn big state. She was way away from the action. She doesn't want to get involved in anything controversial because she doesn't know how to handle it. She's feckless. She doesn't have a clue. And I think Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Barack Obama, and whoever else in the Democrat Party were the ones that put this leadership team together and they found that they figured they needed to have a woman as vice president and Kamala Harris was right there. She was a presidential candidate. People in her own state didn't support her. She pulled out of the race before even the first debate. But she was a woman of color from California. She had all the telltale signs that they needed for somebody to be there to prop up Uncle Joe. They had some kind of deal with Joe Biden. And it became apparent, very much apparent, in the weeks running up to the election and certainly in the weeks after, whatever that agreement was that Joe had with those power brokers, he tried desperately to change it. I don't know if he was successful, but he made it very clear, I'm the President of the United States. I have this authority and this power. You don't. And you could tell 
It got a little tense around the White House and the U.S. Capitol for a bunch of weeks, and it didn't have anything to do with the January 6th insurrection. It had to do with their guy had bowed up at them, and he was telling them he wasn't going to cooperate. The nation was going to be the run the way that he wants it run. And so all of a sudden, they begin to look at the landscape of what if. What if Joe Biden can't make the ride? What if he has to be taken down for cognitive disability things, sickness, whatever? What if he can't make it? What if he resigns? That's going to put Kamala Harris in power? Oh, my gosh. On this show, I every once in a while refer to Joe Biden as being an empty suit. Kamala Harris is way more empty of a suit than he is. And there are a lot of people, I hear this voiced all the time. Somebody says this, we would love to see Congress impeach Joe Biden. But the problem is, if Joe Biden is impeached and he's tried in the Senate and the vote is to remove him, that's going to make Kamala Harris president. We can't afford having Joe Biden in office. We sure can't afford to have Kamala Harris in office. Just look at the landscape of the way world leaders are looking at our government today. It is so obvious. They have no respect for Joe Biden. The only respect he has in foreign nations and with foreigners, especially foreign leaders, the only thing he has going his way is that he is the president of the United States. And with that comes some power and some abilities to do things and not do some things that will either help or hurt foreign nations. And so they can't go after him. In many cases, they would normally, but they've got to at least give him a little leeway in those meetings. I remember, you remember how when Donald Trump first made his trips to other nations and started meeting with world leaders, the mainstream media and Democrat leaders, they were, they were on every news show. They were scared to death that Donald Trump's going to get over there and he's going to start World War III. He's going to do something or say something that is going to turn our allies into enemies. Exact opposite of that happened everywhere. When they began to deal with Donald Trump, even our friends in NATO, the ones that had for decades since NATO was created, not a single country other than the United States of America was paying its fair share for membership in NATO, protection in NATO by the NATO members. When Donald Trump found out about that, his first meeting over there, he said, guys, this has got to change. The United States of America, the American people, have been paying your ticket to be a member of NATO. That stops today. And everybody said, oh my gosh, he's going he's to break it up. They'll be bailing left and right. It'll be an insurrection in NATO. You know what happened? They all said, yes, sir, you're right, and they began to pay. And what did that mean? It meant the United States could pull back a little on what it was paying. Joe is not a leader, period. Joe is a politician and a weak one at that. I don't understand. I have very good friends, very well-educated friends, people who are really good people, that have always been diehard Democrats. I don't even speak to, and I could give you some names right now, and some of you listening would know who these people are. 
Some of them are public figures. I could give you their names, and you would you would actually be shocked to hear what I'm saying about those people. But when they look at any Democrat in office, they automatically begin with giving them a free pass. It's like when they're in cahoots, not in cahoots with, but they're running against, they're in a war, a battle, a political back and forth with Republicans. Democrats are always right, and the Republicans are always wrong in those conversations. And so they just adopt that thought process, and every time anything happens diplomatically or if there's discussions going on about potential legislation or issues like at the southern border, whatever, their default position is the Democrats are right, the Republicans are wrong. And that, my friends, has nothing to do with the reality of what is wrong and what is right. Facts matter, and facts cannot be manipulated. They exist in a vacuum. Honest people will find ways to get to understanding of the facts. And sometimes it takes them a while because it takes some sacrifice and changing for them to get to the place where they're going to embrace the facts when they may have for a long time been on the other side of that. A lot of people change. At the beginning of the Trump administration, you remember that? I had people that were diehard conservatives, longtime Republicans that came to me and said, I can't support the guy. I can't reconcile the way he communicates. I can't stand the way he talks down to people, talks down about people. He's not being presidential. And it really concerned me for a while. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this. Here we are, five and a half years later. I will tell you what my personal feelings are that have developed over the five and a half years about Donald Trump. In many ways, I despise his messaging. I don't like the way he speaks to some people. But I put all of that thought to the side for one reason and one reason only. I watched what he did. I didn't just listen to what he said. My closest friend on earth, great conservative, a great leader himself. He really struggled with it. And I explained to him one time early on, I wanted to comfort him and get him to think about this in another way. And I explained and said, what you've got to understand is you and I, we're not like blue collar Americans. We live in small town, but it's not blue town America. We don't think like everyday working people a lot. We respect them. We have a lot of friends that are. But Donald Trump's messaging system resonates with the majority of those people in the nation. They are used to, accustomed to having political figures come to them, talk to them, campaign in front of them, and promise them anything and everything they feel like those people want that would cause them to want to vote for him. They'll say anything. They'll promise anything. We've been watching that for generations. Our parents did that. They watched it for generations. Their parents watched it in politics for generations. Donald Trump was the first president that Americans of every socioeconomic level could identify with. Not because of 
what he said, not because of how he said it, but because they watched him do what he said he was going to do. And we, the people, reaped the benefits. That's the difference. Joe Biden, and I'm going to put this in South Louisiana football layman terms. Joe Biden couldn't carry Donald Trump's jock. That may sound gross, but people that have been athletes at any level, they understand exactly what I'm talking about. Joe Biden talks the talk. Donald Trump, for four years, walked the walk. And sadly, much of what Joe Biden promised he was going to do for Americans, he promised those things to the left, pretty much the AOC far left gang. He's doing all those. The rest of Democrats in the nation, they're looking at him and they're shaking their heads because it's not good. And we won't spend a lot of time on the it's not good stuff. I just got a story sent to me and I want to make sure that uh, I tell you about it. It has to do with that California Attorney General's office, that firearms data that got loosed. Don't know how yet it happened. Sam Parides, Executive Director of Gun Owners of California, he said a little while ago the release of information was either negligent or potentially criminal. We believe that the Attorney General Rob Bonta is either massively incompetent, incredibly negligent, or willing to criminally leak information that he doesn't have the authority to leak. This is so egregious, he should resign. He has placed tens of thousands of abiding citizens, law-abiding citizens in California in harm's way. That is not excusable with an I'm sorry. Gavin Newsom, governor of California, appointed the Democrat attorney general last year. And that press release that came out said that the new portal was created to improve transparency and information sharing for firearms-related data. I got to be honest with you. That makes absolutely no sense. It was created to improve transparency and information sharing for firearms related data. Here's what that database does, folks. When somebody who has authority is doing investigative work on behalf of the state or local or county law enforcement there in California, let's say they find a gun or a gun is used in a crime, they don't know who had it or owned it. They go to this database if they have the authority to do it and they find out who this gun was purchased by. They have all that information in front of them. It's to help law enforcement. But this guy, when he asked about the portal, it was created, he said, to improve transparency and information sharing for firearms-related data. Basically, what it sounds like he was referencing was, hey, I got to let my buds you know, the people that want to have access to that kind of information, we can't make it too seriously difficult for them to get the information. We need to dumb it down. So that's what happened. And I'm sorry that our doing that, somehow all this data got released. Wah, wah, wah. I agree. The man ought to resign. And if he doesn't resign, Gavin Newsom should fire him. Well, Queen Elizabeth, 
No, not the one over in the UK. Queen Elizabeth, our Queen Elizabeth. Elizabeth Warren I'm talking about. Pocahontas from Massachusetts. She is all over this uh, Roe v. Wade overturn. And basically... I mean, they're, they're all, they're still, they're screaming, the sky is falling, the end of the world is here, women are going to die, it's going to be horrible, we're going back to the 1950s, women are going to start using coat hangers to self-abort their infants. Oh, I can't say that. They're fetuses. Some news came out overnight, some information from Liz, Elizabeth Warren. We're going to take a break when we come back. We're going to check in with uh, Queen Elizabeth. Uh, I know you can't wait to hear what she has to say about uh, Roe v. Wade. (laughs) You can only imagine. That's up next at TNN Real Truth. Real News. TNN. The Truth News Network. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. The I'm crazy hungry, so she's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive-thru to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, cause I don't know everything, but I do know what my girl's feeling hangry meal. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounder with cheese, 10 piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish, and get another for just a dollar. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. New home ownership can be a real eye opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from the Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. encourage you all, everybody listening, this is a holiday weekend. You're going to have off tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We celebrate July 4th, Independence Day. I may be I may be uh, opening up a can of worms if I call it July 4th, Independence Day. Actually, if you just happen not to know what that means, it's a celebration from 1776, the Declaration of Independence, when we... Well, our forefathers and our their their fellow Americans put the British government on notice. We're leaving Britain. 
we're declaring ourselves an independent country. We're celebrating that. In the middle of all of that, don't forget the important things. Just keep your focus. Don't fret and worry. Keep your focus on good things. This is a family weekend. Take time this weekend to spend it with your families. That's very important. This time of year is a big deal for us. Marianne's mother is about to have her 97th birthday next week. That's a big deal. 97, folks. I mean, Joe Biden's 94. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I can Let me just tell you this about my mother-in-law. When she walks into a room with other people and they have no idea who she is, to this day, she is bubbly, she's gleeful, she smiles all the time, she talks to everybody. She actually looks, and I'm not lying about this, she looks like she could not be older than 60, and she acts that way. Now, what does that mean for me? Well, <laughs> think that through. Mary Ann's her daughter. My father-in-law, he died when he was 91. So that family, the Tyler family, has long genes. So what does that mean? Well, I'm, I'm 68. Mary Ann is a few months older than me. But when we're around people and that topic comes up and they talk about, oh, Dan, she's going to outlive you. Here's what I tell them. You know, everything I'm working on now financially and economically, everything I'm working for, I'm doing it to help Marianne's next husband get started. <laughs> this is a time of year for us, and it should be a time of year for all of us to just pull our, in our horns We've been so obliterated and so stuck in cages, basically, at least emotional and mental cages that other people have prepared and forced us into for so long. Be free. Enjoy this weekend. Be with your family. And if you can't, pick up the phone and call them. Take extra effort to tell them that you love them. And I don't know if you come from a family. We have people that listen to the show from all over the world. And I don't know where you are, where you're listening. In your society, in your social setting, it may be one in which you don't tell somebody that you love them unless you're wanting to marry them or you're already married to them. I'm not from that ilk. I come from not a generation, but I come from an environment where it's really appreciated when somebody tells you they love you, but it's even more appreciated when you know factually they're telling you the truth. Remember that. You may not fall in that category. You may not need that. There are a lot of people, in fact, most people on the earth that don't have that freedom that you may have, and they need to be told truthfully that somebody loves them. Do that for somebody, somebody that you know maybe that doesn't get that, doesn't have people in their lives that operate under that mindset, but tell them you love them. Don't forget about our Saturday offering. Every Saturday, our Saturday bullet points. We go back and we analyze the whole week, the previous week, and we pick the biggest, most important stories. It doesn't matter from what sector of news it comes from. If it's important to the American people, really important, we want to make sure that you get that. And so we'll do about 10 to 15 of those stories. And the way they work, we'll put 
two or three or four descriptive sentences about that story. And at the end of those descriptive sentences, there is a, a blue arrow. That actually is a hyperlink. If you read those sentences and you want more information about that story, you just click on that arrow, it will take you to a full story. If you already know all about that story or you don't want any more information, just skip on down to the next bullet point. It's a great way on Saturday morning, especially a holiday Saturday morning. You're going to sleep in. I know that. That's okay. When you get up, you'll have a little extra time. Grab you a cup of coffee, go out on the back patio and the dog, take them out there with you and the dog will sit there and you pat the dog on the head and you read the bullet points, the Saturday bullet points from www.truthnewsnet.org. It's a great habit to make. And I'll tell you this, we have a lot of people that read everything that we publish. That's our, by far, biggest story of every week. People from all around the world want to catch up and make sure they've got all the important stuff. So let's go to Queen Elizabeth. I almost forgot we were talking about her going into the break. So despite demands from several very prominent Democrats in this Roe v. Wade thing, the overturning of that, where are women going to go to get abortion? Elizabeth Warren, was she was on television. I saw her on several channels, and she was saying, Joe Biden has got to create abortion clinics on federal land. That's the way we can handle this. Well, despite those demands from a bunch of prominent Democrats, the federal government can't use taxpayer dollars to fund abortions. I bet you didn't know that. You've heard the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment was first included in federal appropriation bills back in 1976. Let me tell you what it does. It stops, prohibits the federal government from funding abortions unless, and this is a quote, the life of the mother would be endangered if the fetus were carried to term or where the pregnancy is the result of an act of rape or incest. Activists estimate that the Hyde Amendment prevents every year, at least 60,000 abortions from taking place. That amendment is named for Republican Illinois Representative Henry Hyde, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee who championed it when it was first issued back that long ago, 1976. Support for the amendment was initially bipartisan. Democrats, however, and you probably know what I'm going to say, they have attempted to pass federal budgets that do not include the Hyde Amendment as a provision. President Biden, he's flip-flopped on support for the amendment during his 2020 presidential campaign. Speaker Pelosi, she tried to jettison it for an early COVID-19 relief package. Democratic West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin's demand that the Hyde Amendment be included in a social spending package was a key factor for the breakdown in Build Back Better negotiations. I mean, the Hyde Amendment's a big deal. So following the Supreme Court's ruling in Jobs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, several Republican-controlled states instituted some trigger laws that limit abortion in some cases, totally obliterate abortions. My state, Louisiana, was one of those. Well, in response to that, prominent left-wing Democrats urged the Biden administration to take actions to protect abortion access in those states that have those trigger laws. AOC, 
and Elizabeth Warren. They both called on the federal government to make abortions available on federal lands like national parks, where state governments could not regulate the procedure. Senator Warren and Minnesota Senator Tina Smith claimed in a New York Times op-ed that Biden could provide federal resources for individuals seeking abortion care in other states and use federal property and resources to protect people seeking abortion services locally. Warren also claimed that the administration could designate federal lands as a place where abortions can occur. That just makes it sound so easy, right? Just finding ways to make it as easy as possible to kill those fetus-slash-babies. AOC added that providing abortion services on federal lands, that's the babiest of the babiest of the baby steps that the federal government can take. Well, neither Warren nor AOC would even talk about when they got busted because it can't be done. And all of these people that are saying, hey, look, we'll just pay for everything. The American taxpayer will pay for everything. It can't happen. Legally, it cannot happen because no money, no federal money can be used in any way to support abortion or the abortion process. That's factual. So in the wake of all of this information, the Massachusetts House this week passed a measure that would protect abortion and gender-affirming care in the state. Access to reproductive health care services and gender-affirming health care services is recognized and declared to be a right secured by the Constitution or laws of the Commonwealth. That's part of the bill. Deeming interference with those rights is something against the public policy of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So the passage of this bill, that follows several state Democrat lawmakers taking to the floor to argue in favor of the pro-abortion measure. You know what? It's not a mystery to me. It's not a secret. It's not a big deal. We expected this to happen, and it will continue to happen. Just remember this. Roe v. Wade when it was overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court on Monday, or it was announced, uh, excuse me, on last Friday, a week ago today, um, it didn't outlaw abortion. That, of course, is the cry that many on the left were getting their people across the nation over the weekend, especially last weekend, and all of the rioting and looting and burning and all that mayhem that happened. It happened in great part because they were lying to people. The overturn of Roe v. Wade did not make abortion illegal. What it did was make abortion exactly what it was before 1973 and the Roe v. Wade determination by that Supreme Court. It's a state issue. States not only have the power and authority, they have the necessity of taking action in their states if their people want there to be legal abortion in each state. So, what the other people say? State Representative Marjorie Decker, a Democrat, of course, she said, let's be very clear, the Supreme Court's decision is rooted in misogyny. The motivation behind that is about ensuring that women and those who need access to reproductive health care no longer have control over their bodies. Now, let me ask you this. You know, I'm a man. I don't know 
how women think. I don't know why they think and feel the ways that they do. And I got to be honest with you, in all fairness, my wife can say the same thing about me. She knows pretty much how I think after 47 years of marriage. She knows what makes me tick. She knows what my uh, flare points are. Same thing is true for me to her. So I can't sit here and tell you how a woman feels about anything. But I got to tell you, at the same time, no woman that doesn't know me like my wife does can just look at me and based upon my sex, I'm bald, I have a beard, I wear an earring, and I wear glasses, and I'm a big, loud guy. They can't look at me and tell you anything about me just based upon what they think. And all of this name-calling that is going on, and I mean, it is amped up, it has become so powerful, so strong, so loud, and so nasty. I would have never thought in this nation we would see people go this far based upon, in large part, a lie that has been misrepresented to them by a lot of people that wanted these exact things to happen. What should be happening is they should be going to every state's state legislature. They should be lobbying them. They should be doing political actions, going and campaigning to all those lawmakers. They are the only ones, according to the United States Supreme Court, they're the only ones that have the power and authority to make abortion laws. Now, why wouldn't the national leaders, people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, why would Chuck Schumer get up and with a bullhorn threaten Supreme Court Justices Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, telling them, we're coming for you, why would they do that when they know all along that cannot make any difference in the ruling from the Supreme Court? Schumer lives in New York. He has a lot of political heavyweight opportunities himself in the state of New York. Instead of making an ass out of yourself over and over and over again, leveling allegations, personal allegations against people that all they did was rule on what the Constitution says. And don't try to tell me. My phone's going off right now. There are three people. Don't try to call here and tell me. I'm not going to take these calls. Don't tell me that abortion is constitutionally, was ever constitutionally approved because Roe v. Wade didn't do that. In the finding of Roe v. Wade, the word abortion wasn't even included. If you don't believe me, go back. You can Google it. Do a search. Get the text of the 1973 Roe v. Wade opinion issued by the Supreme Court. What it was based on, they went around the corner. They had to come up with a way for political purposes. They had to go around the corner and find a way that they could somehow convince the Supreme Court justices that this was only about a woman's body and her sole right to determine anything and everything to do with her health care. And so the opinion that came out of Roe v. Wade was based on that thing. Didn't even mention babies or abortion or anything. 
They don't talk about that. They don't want to talk about any of that because that doesn't sound like it's going to ramp up the people and get people so angry that they'll do whatever it takes to give them the power, them being Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and other people in the U.S. Congress, it would give them the peop- the power, the people's support, to craft a actual federal abortion law. They want to codify abortion at the federal level. And i got to be honest with you, the state legislature is no different than the U.S. Congress legislatively. The states craft and make laws for their states. The Congress does for the United States. And then the Supreme Court, they check out all laws that are made to make sure they comport with the United States Constitution. If Congress would pass legislation as the representatives of all the people in the nation, the House and the Senate, that's what they do. If they pass legislation that at the federal level makes abortion legal, guess what? It would be legal. Now, they every once in a while throw that out there, but they know that's not going to happen. They know that the majority of Americans, even though they'll tell us all the time, the majority of Americans believe abortion should be legal. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. There are all different types of abortion procedures, and most Americans, by far, don't think abortion should occur after a certain period of gestation for that fetus. Most of the people that are on the streets burning flags, screaming and hollering, threatening, doing all of the nasty illustration things, blood here, blood there, fake blood, whatever, those people, they don't even care anything about that. All they care, they're single issue driven. We want abortion legal with no restrictions whatsoever. None. Literally, we have people in the United States, we have people in the federal government that think it would be okay. After an infant is born and laying there being delivered, this happened in Virginia two years ago when the governor at that point who was a doctor was asked, he actually explained the process that he thought abortion could go to and be legal. The baby is born will make the baby comfortable and the mother too, while the mother speaks with the doctor, her physician, and her family members and decides what to do. In other words, he thought it was okay. If she didn't want to keep that baby, they could kill it. I'm serious. There are people that feel that's okay. All that being said, the Massachusetts House has drafted legislation to make abortion legal there. The Delaware governor, he signed pro-abortion a bill into law in wake of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Governor John Corney, a Democrat, of course, signed a bill Wednesday, two days ago. House Bill 455 passed the Democrat-controlled General Assembly in an effort by progressive lawmakers to expand previously passed pro-abortion legislation following the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Under the bill... We are told licensed physician assistants, certified nurse practitioners, and certified nurse midwives who are properly trained 
will be allowed to terminate pregnancy before viability. The bill would also protect individuals from extradition for committing an act that results in a criminal charge for the termination of pregnancy in another state. So abortion was already legal there before Bill 455 was passed. As Carney signed legislation back in 2017 that made abortion a right in the first state in anticipation that the federal right to abortion might be reversed by the Supreme Court following then-President Trump's inauguration. Delaware already had a considerable number of out-of-state travelers who sought to obtain the procedure there before Dobbs v. Jackson was decided. As of 2019, nearly 14% of abortions done in Delaware were performed on out-of-state residents. Many travel from Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. State Senator Brian Richardson, a Republican, slammed the legislation after it was passed in the General Assembly. And he said something that I agree with. Abortion is not health care. I don't care what they say, folks. I'm a health care professional, 31 years. Abortion is not a part of health care. It's not. Birth control is. Abortion? It's not. Abortion is taking a life. Don't ask me. Ask the members of the United States Supreme Court. They're the ones that determine that for me. And I guess basically it's good enough. There's another big decision that came out of the Supreme Court yesterday, Friday, and it was about the Environmental Protection Agency. Now, we didn't hear much about it because it's not really politically cool, you know. The Environmental Protection Agency, what the heck do anybody care about them? What do they do in the first place? Well, they are an agency of the government that have maybe some of the most egregious power in our government, and they've changed your lives numerous times and numerous ways. So Larry Kudlow, he is an economist, one of the best there is, He's on Fox Business. He came forward yesterday with some details, late yesterday after the EPA did this, and he explained exactly what a big deal this is that the Supreme Court called down the EPA for the power they have executed, and according to the Supreme Court, they've done it without authorization to do it for many years. I want to bring in Fox Business host Larry Kudlow because this is a decision that does have far-reaching implications, not just for government, but for businesses and for businesses and for consumers. And let's get your take on what this decision means, 6-3 ruling against the Biden administration. Dana, this is a massive, massive uh, decision. It essentially repeals the Chevron decision back in the middle 90s, which simply said, if Congress is ambiguous in its law, we will defer to the federal regulatory agencies who will then decide they'll make their own laws, they'll make their own rules. I think the now new balance has been stuck. By the way, John Roberts has always been very good on these economic regulatory issues, uh, so it's a 6-3 decision. But it basically says, you want to have the kind of carbon policies, carbon emissions policies, then you need to clarify it and get a congressional law, which, by the way, I don't think they could. This is about how mm. you measure uh, clean air, 
and it also is about how many times you measure the same air, which is what the uh, Obamas wanted and what the Biden crowd is uh, wanting to do, measure it many times. There's also a, a federal versus state issue here, federalism. Uh, it's essentially saying, uh, I'll have to read the decision, obviously, but I think it's going to say that the states and the individual power plants uh, will be the ones to take action, that you can't have a one-size-fits-all. The Trump administration rolled back uh, Obama's power plan uh, and, you know, cut it back, said, put it into the states, stop measuring matters, uh, the clean air, two and three times. Now, this will affect data. This affects all of the climate change policies of the Obama administration. It affects all of the Green New Deal. But also, and I got to read this thing, it may affect more generally, it may curb the power of the regulatory agencies, the so-called administrative law agencies. So this is absolutely huge. Uh, Larry, quick follow-up question for you. Um, this is Jillian. I want to make sure I'm understanding you right. We got this in from the minority side, the dissent, written by Justice Kagan. She says, whatever else this court may know about, it does not have a clue about how to address climate change. And she goes on to say, in this instance, the court appoints itself instead of Congress or the expert agency. That would be the FDA you were just talking about. The decision maker on climate policy. What's your reaction to that? No, it would be the EPA, not the FDA. But Oh, I'm um, sorry, the EPA. Look, it, sorry, my it, brain is a scrambled eggs of acronyms this morning. Okay, so look at um, Kagan. Kagan is wrong here. The court is not saying, I mean, I just read what Dana's summary said, which makes a lot of sense to me. The court is not pretending to be the EPA. The court is ruling on a much larger question, okay? The court is saying... These so-called independent regulatory agencies, in this case, it's the EPA. It could be the SEC. It could be the FCC. It could be the FTC, okay? They don't have authority to do basically whatever they want unless Congress passes legislation. And the thing is, Congress, if you go back to the Obama thing in the mid-90s, uh, the Power Act, the Clean Power Act, CPP, it was the law that passed was so ambiguous that it left it up to the radicals at the EPA. And the Trump administration came in. We did this at the National Economic Council, and we did it through our own uh, EPA uh, and the Energy Department. Uh, we said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're not, you're not empowered to force us to do that. We're going to do a couple of things here. We're going to curb some of the metrics used to measure clean air. It shouldn't be two and three times measuring the same particle of air. Secondly, we're going to go power plant by power plant. And third, the ultimate jurisdiction here should be the states, okay, not the federal government. And finally, you've got to pass a new law to stipulate this. And uh, they're not saying what's right and what's wrong regarding the metrics or the outcome, you know, whether you want net zero emissions. I don't think they're going to rule on that because they don't have any uh, expertise, blah, blah, blah. What they're saying is Congress, not the independent agencies, should make a clear law, 
point number one. Point number two, this opens the door for federalism. You don't have to have one size fits all. Leave it to the states, and the states will deal with the individual power plants as they always had uh, until this thing was put into place. So how do we do this, the simple roundup of what Larry Kudlow was explaining about the rendering that came down from the Supreme Court regarding environmental protection agency actions that they've taken? Let me put it in a nutshell for you. The reason the left are so upset about this is the same reason they're upset about the Roe v. Wade overturn that came down. And it appears that in this Supreme Court cycle, there's going to be some more of that. Well, why would that be? Here's why. Because in left-leaning governments in the United States, that means whenever the Democrats take power and authority in the legislature, meaning the House and the Senate, and boy, especially when they have the House and the Senate, and they also control the White House, they go absolutely crazy passing legislation that they know would not normally stand. But remember, for years, the balance in the Supreme Court wasn't where it was one political party group of justices, those that were considered to be leaning left or, con- or leaning right, It was very balanced. And so in a lot of cases, when court decisions were made at the Supreme Court on legislation that was passed, it was decided one way or the other. People don't want to consider what I'm about to say, but this current Supreme Court, even with the uh, swearing in yesterday of Ketanji Brown, that brand new Supreme Court justice, the balance of the court is still pretty even. Now, it's not even because it's 5-4, and so there are nine, so typically in almost every case, somebody's going to come out on top. But what I'm getting at is for so many years, every time a president had an opportunity to put somebody on the court that leaned one way or the other, there was something of a rush when it was a conservative. There was something of a push to get some legislation that passed that they felt like would pass muster at the makeup, because of the makeup, with the makeup of that current Supreme Court justice, because litigation was coming their way. When Democrats are in power and have had that opportunity, they go as far left as they possibly can. And then when they have control of the House of Representatives and the Senate and the White House, Regarding legislation, they go as far left as they can possibly go. So the importance of this Supreme Court ruling on the fact that the Environmental Protection Agency has been overstepping its legal authorities, its constitutional authorities, and has been pressuring, putting politics into environmental policies And they don't have the authority to do that. If it's done, it should be done through legislation, through crafting of laws. And who does that? You know who does that. The United States Congress, or in the case of federalism, as you heard Kudlow say, it goes back to the state, state by state by state. Now, I think in this case, that would be a really good way to go. Why? Because every state is not identical in the air quality that they have 
and it's based a lot on a lot of things that are different from state to state, the population, the density of population, what kind of energy creation is going on in that state. What does that have to do with it? Well, if you look at a a state like Pennsylvania, West Virginia, where there has always been a lot of coal that's been used for creating energy for heating and cooling, and compare that with, let's say, Louisiana, which is a hydrocarbon state, we have a lot of natural gas here. Natural Natural gas, when it comes to fossil fuel, is the cleanest burning source there. And compare our pollution per capita to that of Pennsylvania or West Virginia, our air is going to be a little bit cleaner. Doing it state by state, that doesn't force everybody into the same little nugget that the federal government, the Environmental Protection Agency at the federal level, tries to force everybody to abide in. It makes it fairer, it makes it more realistic, and it makes it more comprehensive, even though it's not all 50 being ruled by the same one. It doesn't work that way. Why? Our forefathers, when they crafted the Constitution, when laws were all put together, they realized, hey, everybody is not going to be cookie cutter. Everybody's not going to be the same. We're going to have people that are diverse in pretty much every way, geographically especially, and so we're going to have to pass regulations that make sense for each individual group or state. And the best way to do that, who knows more about Pennsylvania than Pennsylvanians? Who knows more about Louisiana than Louisianians? So why don't we just let the state legislatures make all those decisions and pass all those rules and laws, right? That makes sense. You're fighting back the tidal wave of deceit, lies, Spin and ignorance with TNN, the Truth News Network. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good, the helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome, the will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram. Proven to last. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke Summer sound effects on you? Yes! Cool. You okay with this? Yes! And this? Yes! And what about this? you there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. You know, Joe Biden's been overseas 
And he's been kind of busy over there. He made some announcements. I don't know if you heard the latest, but uh, he made it very clear. It shocked a lot of people over here. But uh, the United States is going to create, he said, a new permanent army headquarters in Poland and deploy additional land, air, and sea forces across the length and the breadth of Europe in response to these threats from Russia. Here's how he said it. I'm going to quote him. I'm announcing the United States will enhance our force posture in Europe and respond to the changed security environment as well as strengthening our collective security. We're going to continue to adjust our posture based on the threat and close consultation with our allies. Here's what he said it was going to include. Establish a permanent headquarters for the U.S. Army's 5th Corps in Poland. Almost double the number of Navy destroyers stationed at Spain's Rota Naval Base. The number will reach 4 to 6 once this deployment is completed. Added 20,000 additional U.S. forces to Europe, bringing the total number of U.S. military personnel in Europe at 100,000. Position a rotational brigade combat team in Romania that will add 3,000 fighters and another 2,000 personnel. Send two additional squadrons of advanced F-35 fighter jets to Britain. Add 625 troops in Germany to oversee and carry out air defense artillery artillery operations, combat sustainment support and engineering missions. Station a short-range air defense battery in Italy. That'll add 65 personnel. And enhance U.S. rotational deployments in the Baltic states, including armored, aviation, air defense, and special operation forces. The White House said that the new stationing of U.S. forces in Europe, it's to support NATO and to deter any aggression against our allies. We're sending an unmistakable message, in my view, and I think yours as well, that NATO is strong, united, and the steps we're taking during this summit are going to further augment our collective strength. That's President Biden speaking to reporters during a briefing. Now, just think through the concept that we just mentioned. Not all the details, but the concept. Why is this happening now? Do you think that if these things are needed now, that they weren't needed earlier? Do you think if we had had any of these in place, Vladimir Putin would still have invaded Ukraine? Do you think if NATO was still ship ship ready, ready, ready to go, going to face any foe that comes after them or any one of the members of NATO, which would require every member to respond? This is not a preemptive situation. And this is the saddest part about the way this guy, our president, governs. He never takes leadership role. He doesn't. He's a follower. He liked when he was in the Senate. He liked to portray this tough exterior. He was a great speaker. Many of his speeches that he gave were great speeches. He gave them in a very fire, fiery fashion. We found out later that some of the speeches he claimed were his weren't his. In fact, quite a few. And he got busted for that. But I think he would have always done a little better if he had meat on the bone of everything that he said, if he was believable. Now, I just read you the list of what he said. He told people in Europe this week 
that he was going to do, that the nation was going to do, do you think people over there, leaders over there, believe what he said? And do you think it intimidates anybody that would be classified as one of our, not our supporters or our allies, but somebody who was against us? Kind of like, you know, Afghanistan, China, Vladimir Putin in Russia, other countries that are not part of NATO. I think most of those people look at this as a threat. Now think about what I'm about to tell you. If somebody thinks this is a threat, what are they going to do with that thought? You think they're just going to say it, oh, that's just a threat, forget about it. No way. Every one of these nation leaders has access to exhaustive intelligence operations. They know far more about the realistic opportunity that any of this stuff is actually going to occur. And even if it does occur, would President Joe Biden, would he ever take any action that this plethora of military activity makes it look like the United States would be prepared to do if they do. Do you think anybody over there thinks Joe Biden is going to do this? I can think of maybe half a dozen incidents that happened in the last 25 years that Joe Biden is on record when it was military action taken by this country, us. He made it very clear he didn't want to do it. Seriously, that's factual. So if I don't believe it, and I don't have access to any intelligence, just my own, but I'm watching Joe Biden from afar, I'm listening, I'm looking at all the stuff that he does. I hear what he says. I hear what he promises. I hear the things that he grossly misrepresents and some say he lies about. I see all of that and I put it in the context of this is Joe Biden, the President of the United States. And so I compare that with what he does. And what he does is just like you and me. What you do, what I do, speaks way louder to people that are looking in and listening and watching us. Way, way louder than the things we say. Joe Biden has a history of saying a lot and doing very little. To me, folks, that's the spookiest part of this. None of what he said we were going to do intimidates me in any way, but I can tell you this. There are a bunch of people on the globe, on that side of the globe, on that side of the world, that are really powerful people in countries that hate us, and they see this. They're taking this as absolutely nothing but a threat. And Joe Biden saying this, And he's going to have to because he promised we're going to have to at least start down that road. As they watch this happen, let me tell you how they're going to look at this. This is a precursor to war with the United States of America. And with him at the helm, there are a bunch of despots around the globe that feel like if we were ever going to get involved militarily against the United States and expect to come out on top, now would be the time that we could possibly end up winning We watched what he did in Afghanistan, pulling out, leaving almost $100 billion worth of military hardware there, leaving hundreds of American citizens in the grasp of the Taliban in Afghanistan, just left them there. 
And we could go on and on about that. But they see what he does. They hear what he says. But what he does is much louder than what he says he's going to do. I was really disappointed when he did this. It just did not seem like it was a smart thing to do. Now, I just got this minutes ago in the fallout of that EPA announcement yesterday on Thursday about the Supreme Court telling them, hey, you guys got to back down. You don't have that power authority. Listen to what Biden's administration is floating out there. Leading Biden officials have outlined their methods to keep pushing the administration's climate agenda after even the Supreme Court limits the power of the Environmental Protection Agency. During a panel at the Aspen Ideas Festival, EPA Administrator Michael Regan promised to deploy a suite of tools, including the Clean Air Act, to regulate the power sector regardless of the Supreme Court's ruling. We have a suite of regulations that we can present to the power sector in one fell swoop. In other words, you don't have to worry about the United States Supreme Court, those hard, hard red Supreme Court justices. They're in the tank for conservatism and the Republican Party. This is the Biden administration. This is what they do. Time and time again, he has been slapped down by the United States Supreme Court. Do you know that several times regarding COVID-19, lockdowns, vaccine mandates, etc., the Supreme Court has weighed in specifically telling his administration to do or not to do something because it was wrong? And they just thumbed their noses at the Supreme Court. They just went ahead and did what they wanted to do. Now, this is a guy that took the oath of office to abide by the rule of law, and to support and defend the United States Constitution. (laughs) And in large part, we're not seeing this president do what he promised he's going to do. That is a dangerous, a very dangerous situation. And if he gets on that road and starts down that road, i got to be honest with you, there's no way that trip is going to end in a good way. It's not going to. There's no way to come out on the good side of that because you'll lose total control of what happens. That is the mark of a poor leader who doesn't consider doesn't consider the possibilities of their actions and make decisions based upon that. That's this president. That's this administration. Well, hey guys, Holiday weekend ahead. I want you to have a wonderful July 4th weekend. Again, like I said at the beginning, spend time with your family and friends. Eat good. Hey, just have a good time. Watch some tennis on TV and golf. We love you. We'll see you next week right here back at TNN Live. When you're down and troubled and you need some love and care and nothing, oh, well, nothing is going right. Just close your eyes, thinking, yes, and soon I will be there to brighten yeah, even your darkest night. 
just call out my name And you know wherever I am I'll come right To see you again It's winter, spring, summer of all Really all you gotta do is call And I will be there, yeah, yes I'll be there You've got a friend If the sky above you should turn
You've got a friend.